Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am one of your co-hosts, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And as always, I am joined by my partner in crime, managing editor of the Jaguars Wire, James Johnson. Jay, some interesting news broke today from one of our uh, favorite players on the team, and we're going to get into it. But before we do, uh, tell the people how you're doing this evening. Oh, man. When when we first signed up for this podcast, we said it, man. It's always something to talk about with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, this year, it's always been something to talk about, but always something to talk about monumentally for the Jaguars and something to talk about. That's, uh, I guess you could say monumentally bad when you look at the franchise's history in terms of the worst franchise moments. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm good. Can't complain. Ready to talk some Jags, man, as uh, the combine just came and it is gone and it's under wrapped or it has been wrapped up for 2020. And then we got free agency coming up. So, I mean, really, it's it's really still a fun time in terms of football in general. Uh, just, I guess, not so much for the Jaguars the, or the fans of the Jaguars. Yeah, there's definitely plenty going on. And at least the good thing. On our part, Jay, is, you know, the Jaguars, they are, they're a content fountain, man. I mean, like we said, there's always something going on, even though sometimes it is usually on the negative side of things. But we will get to our topics here in just a moment. Uh, Before we begin, I want to make sure that you guys are checking out and subscribing to the podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to your shows. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And one of the best ways you can actually support the show is going on to Apple Podcasts and giving us a five-star review and letting us know how you feel. Big, big shout out to those of you who have left us a review so far. It means the world to us. Thank you guys so much. And Jay, I think you maybe you want to tell them a little bit about another way they can support the show and help us bring you guys even better content in the future. Yeah, of course. Um, as I mentioned last week, we got all of our... Um accounts and links set up outside of the the normal ones you know your standard ones your itunes and stitcher and all of that and as phil said one of the ways you can go ahead and really uh, support the show and one of the better ways aside from itunes and reviewing is also by patreon which we have set up uh, it's been set up for a couple weeks now and last week i actually set up the goals for it so it's like a full go right now it's patreon.com slash believe in the jags and uh, we have a variety of packages, one for five, one for 10. And I think we got one for 15 on there and which you can choose from. And we uh, provide extra content, extra podcast po- uh, content on there. So feel free to go check that out. Again, that's patreon.com slash believe in the Jags. And also, um, if you want to get connected with us or you just want to see all of the links in general in which you can connect with us, uh, feel free to check out our link tree. That's link tr dot ee slash believe in jags and uh you can go ahead and, and find any way to get connected with us uh whether that's email twitter accounts uh 
whatever is all there. Lastly, you can also, if you all have questions, feel free to email us, uh, believeinjags at gmail.com. And uh, we also have a voicemail via Gmail or via Google. And the number for that, if you want to leave us a Jags related question, it's 478-227-3907. So feel free to uh, go about and leave us some questions and we'll take care of those at the end of an episode uh, if we get enough. So. Yeah, that's it. That's right, folks. And we love interacting with you guys. So please send in those questions and also that feedback as well. We really, really appreciate it. And again, you can, of course, find us also at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. I am at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And you can find Jay over at SportsGrind underscore Don. Last but not least, if you are in interested in advertising in the show there's still plenty of opportunities available please contact believe at believe.com and you know i can't go you know this week jay without just really shouting out and pointing out one of my favorite shows on the believe network and that is actually the believe in millennial sports talk show hosted by michelle margot and ben verlander jay i don't think you've had a chance to check it out yet but it's really good and they recently actually just had toronto blue jays infielder Travis Shaw on their most recent episode and uh, it's just a really good show and it's nice you know you and I Jay as we identify you know as as millennials it's really nice to kind of hear it from that perspective um, from somebody from you know around our age group so they're a great show and you guys should definitely check them out but let's get into our topics for this week guys and for those of you who are not aware Yannick Ngakwe he had teased this announcement actually last week he said that big news was going to come out and Boy, did it ever. So he is, he's come out and said he does not want a long-term deal with the Jaguars. Here is the tweet. The Jaguars are aware I no longer have interest in signing a long-term contract in Jacksonville. Duval, I love you and gave you guys everything I got. I'm thankful for the journey and look forward to continuing my career elsewhere. Signed, 91. So, Jay, when this came out, uh, again, I think you kind of alluded to this when we started. We weren't necessarily really surprised. I don't think, for me at least, it still didn't make it any less uh, disappointing, I guess is the word that I'll go with. So when you first saw this come out, you know, we were right on top of it on the Jaguars wire. Shout out to Will. Uh, But what were your thoughts immediately once Jan came out and spoke? Yeah, man. Shout outs to Will Frost, man, over there uh, in the UK, man. He was up and added. You know, before <laughs> before I could really get up and get my coffee and uh, shout out to my nephew as well, man. He was on it, too, with the uh, Instagram notification that he was sending me. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think this I don't know if this really changes any much anything more than what we discussed last week. I mean, like you said, we we were you know, we came to the conclusion that this is how he felt. You know, that's what the cryptid messages was all about on social media so it's not surprising from that standpoint but um that being said like you said it's uh still not any less disappointing but again from my perspective this it doesn't change much last week i did say that you know i don't know if the jaguars have been communicating all that well which this that's been an issue with this last regime whether it's tom coughlin or dave caldwell shot con communication has always been an issue with this team and you know i figure they wouldn't be communicating well with him dave caldwell said it you know like he's gonna take it step by step which you know the next step after the combine is obviously free agency and for me you know like if you're gonna say 
that you want to prioritize making Yannick and Gakwe the number one priority, then, you know, that's something that you should have been like drilling hard from January to this point. Uh, I mean, who's to say they haven't been, but it doesn't feel that way, at least based off of Yannick's reaction. Uh, So that being said, you know, it looks like Dave Caldwell's focus or how it comes off on the surface as if Caldwell's focus has been on free agency. And I, I guess you could say not necessarily Yannick Ngakwe, but the free agents that are outside the team and bringing them in. And then, of course, it's the draft. And then uh, it feels like what they wanted to do was after the draft, see what they were working with, just kind of based off of how Dave Caldwell explained it or how it came off to me. And uh, just see what they were working with salary cap wise and then try and sign them then. But obviously, as I said last week as well, Ngakwe's patience is probably running slim. Then again, like maybe he's always had his mind made up and there's nothing that Jazz can do. Uh, That being said, I think, you know, I still want to know when everything is over with and the Jaguars know what they're working with financially and they shoot him a deal. Let's just say that guarantees, uh, I don't know, 66 million guaranteed do you turn that down you know what i'm saying like i don't know you know i, I really don't do you turn that down if you yannick and gakoy in hopes of going somewhere else and playing somewhere else or is it you know do you want to play for a team a, a winning franchise if it's that just go ahead and say it uh because you know if it gets out that they offered him a lot of money and we're talking about you know monumental money for the defensive end position and you still pass on it then it just becomes a matter of just saying like, hey, you just don't want to play for the Jaguars and a losing franchise. And uh, that's that should have been the message all along. So I guess time will tell on that. Yeah, it, it's it seems to it seemed to have come increasingly, increasingly more apparent that Jan just did not want to be here anymore. man. And and I'm wondering a lot how much of that had to do with uh, him speaking with guys, you know, or like Jalen or, or like A-Rob or. Anybody else that have have left, I don't think he really, I'm not sure if he's talking to Dante Fowler, but um, yeah, it's just, like you said, doesn't make it any more or less disappointing. The team could have come out and said right away from the beginning last season that keeping Jan here is a priority. We want to keep him and Josh Allen as the two premier bookends in the league. I mean, that's all they would have had to say. That's That's all it would have taken. And all Yannick would have had to say at the same time. And we've talked about how he's done the things the right way. We haven't really heard from him and until now. But he also could have said, you know, I'm committed to staying here in Jax. I hope they get a deal that we get a deal done, but I'm prepared for whatever comes next. You know what I mean? So it would have it would have been as simple as that from his side as well. But uh, he, we are where we are. And Will Frost also put up another article in terms of some possible trade destinations. You guys should go check that out as well. Yeah. Real quick. I want to comment on something too, uh, what you were saying, you know, about him just simply coming out and saying it. Well, you know, like last year at the end of what was it? The end of the season. Yeah. The week 16, 17 game against the Colts in which we won the season finale, basically, you know, they did ask him, you know, all of these kind of questions in terms of, you know, a possible return. And, you know, like one thing he stressed was he didn't want to play on the franchise tag. It came off that way. And the other thing was the other keynote that I took from that was him saying this team basically, and I'm paraphrasing him, has showed me how they value me. And, you know, I guess like then that was telling of, you know, how he felt about how the franchise had done him. And, you know, he's probably 
referring to last year when uh, the deal was reportedly shot to him, which was a short term deal, but didn't have a lot of guaranteed money, at least not the guaranteed money you would want as a 24 year old. Uh, and then Tom Coughlin and, and company just cut off the talks like within weeks after that. Uh, so, you know, for him, you know, that probably hurt him. It probably angered him. And I mean, that's what the reports say. You know, most of them say that that angered him. Uh, eventually, as we all know, he came back to a uh, training camp, whatever the case may be. And they probably even, you know, this probably didn't help, but they probably even threw more dirt on the wound, too, by finding him for the days he missed in training camp, just knowing Tom Coughlin. And I'm not saying I, I have a, you know what I'm saying, anything to report on that in or saying this is what happened. But I mean, we, you know, most people that know Tom Coughlin almost have to feel that the Jacksonville Jaguars definitely find Yannick and Gakway and didn't cut him no slack for the days that he did miss in training camp. So that was throwing salt on the wound. So, you know, fast forward into the, the season finale where he was saying, basically, you know, this this franchise has shown me how they feel about me. That stuff may have had something to do with it. And, you know, that didn't help the situation. So he kind of alluded to it then. But then, you know, once again, like just come out and be a little bit more clear than that. If you, you don't want to be with the Jacksonville Jaguars at that point, just say, you know, my time here is done. Uh, and, and, you know, don't make it cryptic, just be straightforward, straight to the point. And, uh, I guess now, you know, that <laughs> the tweet and the message he put out this time, I guess it don't get any more straightforward than that. Not wanted to, uh, sign with the Jaguars long-term. Right. Yeah. It's, like it, like I said, I mean, it's just it's it is very disappointing, but it's also just kind of it, it just gives you an idea of where this franchise is at right now. If you told me a couple of years ago that at the beginning of the 2020 season, we'd be down both Jan and Jalen Ramsey and possibly coming up here, no A.J. Boye, then I would have told you that you were insane and uh, I, I probably would have just turned you away. And, and one thing. I think I've been seeing a lot of from the fan base and this always seems to happen, not just here, but really anywhere. I mean, just remember that this, this is a business and it, th- think about, you know, how this organization has been run. It's just like any other job. It's just like any other company. Of course, the, you know, the money being thrown around is a lot different, but if you treat your empo- employees poorly, then your employees are going to leave and seek greener pasture. And that's what's starting to happen here, you guys. And if, if things don't change, then once these players get out of their rookie deals, and if they're not appreciated, if they don't feel like they've been treated the way they deserve to be, they will just leave. That is what's going to happen. And that's the reality of the situation. And that goes back to the talk Jay and I had in our very first episode about how this, uh, about how this organization is being run. So, Jay, I think you have another thing to tag on. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, like that, it starts from the top with Shad Khan. And uh, yeah, something I want to add on to that is, you know, you got guys like Josh Allen looking at how Yannick is being treated and how uh, Jalen Ramsey is being treated. But uh, the other thing I wanted to say uh, to just add on to what you were saying from before is, you know, him seeing and maybe talking with guys like Jalen Ramsey and A-Rob. Now, the the thing I do want to say about that is, you know, if he's, taking advice from those guys now you kind of you may want to be careful from that perspective because look at where they are now I mean they yeah they're in better situations than Jacksonville I guess you could say but look Jalen still doesn't have his contract it's looking like he the the Rams won't have the money to pay him 
this year either, which I mean, and they made it clear when they brought him in. I think it was the GM Les Snead told him, like, if we can't pay you next year, will you play? And I think they kind of came to an agreement that he would play or whatever the case may be. Right there alone, that was telling of what the future held for Jalen Ramsey right there. And when you look at all of the people on their books, um, this, that, and the other, it was kind of evident that they might not have room to uh, to give him the extension that he wants. And we all know he wants to probably become the highest paid cornerback in football. And then in A-Rob's case, now look, they've been to the playoffs, if I can recall, uh, not last year, but year before last. But look, man, he's with Mitchell Trubisky. And the big issue when he was with Jacksonville was he was with Blake Bortles. Now he's with Blake Bortles North, arguably. You know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, he 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 got his money. Uh, but and then again, his his deal was a short term deal. So is he's coming up on time to maybe get another deal as well. Uh, but he got his money, but at the same time, like, is he like having the success that he would like? You know what I'm saying? I, and I know the statistics are are looking okay on his end and this, that, and the other, but you can't tell me that he's happy with Mitchell Trubisky. So sometimes like with those kind of situations, and I'm not saying Yannick is listening to those guys and communicate with those guys, but I do want to say like, you got to be careful if you like taking advice from the wrong people too, because I mean, those guys haven't necessarily had the, the game breaker type of uh, careers that they have wanted outside of Jacksonville either. That's a very, very good point. I mean, you can make the argument that, I mean, Jalen is he, he he's definitely seems happier if you follow him on social media but i mean you only see what you what you know you people only show what they want to show you know who knows what's going on i mean you can make the argument that he was a little bit of a disappointment when he got sent over there and i'd like to know how rams fans feel about that for sure and you know we'll see where he ends up and uh but you know uh, the also the news jay came out to move on to our to kind of the next top or not the next topic but the next part of this story is the jaguars are going to franchise him and uh so what is what exactly does all this mean you know if you want to go into the specifics uh we we uh, i did also you know i did just plug an article of its terms of where uh, some trade destinations that would be possible for him you know I have some of my thoughts, but I want to get uh, hear you go kind of go into the specifics. Specifics: What does this mean now that they are going to use the tag on him? Yeah, so essentially, what the franchise tag is is like a one year tender, and the the one that's the most common, I guess that's what I'll go into right now, is the the non exclusive franchise tag, which in Yannick's case, you know, it would pay out the average of the top five salaries for defensive ends, which luckily for him, even though he doesn't want to play on it, which is a lot of money. So, you know, the it's projected for this year because it goes up each year. Um, for this year, it's projected to be north of 19 million and 300. So somewhere above there, uh, we'll find out later, you know, they'll, they'll confirm that later. The league will confirm that figure later down the road. So we'll know. So for Yannick, you know what I'm saying? He's looking at uh, 19 million, and 300 on the year, which, you know, he supposedly or reportedly, according to ESPN, was looking for, what, 22 million a year. So that's a little bit off. But to make sense of it, that's just basically what the franchise tag is, though. It's like this one year tender that NFL has made basically uh, and, and something that the players have been vocal about getting rid of. They don't really like it because they like long term longevity, especially somebody in Yan's case who's just 24 years of age. Like I said, we already talked about the deal they shot him before. You know, he wants, you know, that long term guaranteed money to kind of pay out over the course of multiple years, if you will. Right. So you know, that's 
essentially what's going to happen now. And then the Jags are going to have this opportunity now to, to try and move him. Now, the I don't know if you have any comments on this, but the as far as the locations, I believe, that were laid out in that article as possibilities. We've heard the New York Giants name pull, um, come up a lot. Uh, their social media has been lobbying for for Jan uh, for quite some time, for those of you who are not aware. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, who I've been talking about for quite some time, and the Seattle Seahawks, among a couple of other teams. I think those three teams that I just mentioned right there are probably the most logical options. And we also have thrown out a kind of a, uh, I guess, a scenario in which you would make a deal for the Washington Redskins to possibly swap picks with you, and we would also give them uh, Jan as well. I want to talk to you about that one specifically because I think that was the most interesting because if you can replace Yannick Ngakwe with Chase Young, heck, I, I am all for it. But do you do you think in any kind of any kind of scenario that Washington would have actually entertain going from two to nine uh, and then maybe uh, acquiring Jan and then also maybe any other compensation. Yeah, it depends on if uh, the Redskins are in like win now mode. I mean, I know Ron Rivera is a veteran coach. And that being said, I would guess if you're the GM for the Washington Redskins or then again, I forgot that I think they're GM list. I think Ron Rivera is the GM. Uh, so really, I think right now for the time being that all that's over him is ownership. So, I mean, if that's the case, you know, it feel like he may have a, a decent amount of time to fix what the Redskins, uh, the mess or, or the issues they have going on. So you would think he's not going to get fired regardless of the outcome this year. So he does have time. And so from that perspective, it feels like they would take the time to develop a Chase Young if they they drafted him. And I mean, Chase Young is significantly cheaper than paying $22 million over the course, of, you know, annually. Uh, he'll be significantly significantly cheaper than going the route of Yannick and Gakoy. So I guess from that perspective, when you look at it from like Ron Rivera's future and, uh, you know, the timeline that he has there or the timeline it appears he has there, they probably wouldn't jump on that either. Although, you know, if you're essentially trading your first round pick for Yannick Ngakwe, uh, that's a very good player to do it for. But again, it's just that added element that you would have to pay him steeply. Uh, again, we're looking at what, uh, 65-ish guaranteed in the contract or maybe more. So yeah, from that perspective, they probably will go with Chase Young knowing that they have uh, some time. And then, you know, Ron Rivera probably has faith in the development or uh, the development of skills of his staff. And we've actually seen, you know, what his guys can do in Carolina. So, you know, he just may feel comfortable with just taking a young Chase Young and uh, no pun intended and giving him to whoever his defensive coordinator is and saying, hey, develop him, you know, and and within a year or two, he could be what Yannick Ngakwe is or, or even better. Yeah, there's also growing chatter after they had met with both the quarterbacks as well at the combine as far as Joe Burrow and Tua Tungabailo. I think it's just a really a brilliant move, honestly, on that staff's behalf to bring in those guys and really just kind of, you know, get gauge interest you know what i mean as far as what other team let other teams know hey we're not committed to Dwayne haskins even if they may be let other teams think that and that's why i don't believe that going from two to nine is really a viable option for them that's another reason why uh, amongst everything that you just mentioned there jay but uh, i i think as far as a trade partner it's going to be somebody that's going to want tua specifically uh should that be 
the route that another team wants to go. So, well, on the topic of quarterbacks, we're going to talk about ours. Uh, that we we're going to retouch on the subject that we covered a couple of weeks ago, as far as our positional breakdowns, and we will continue that series uh, very very soon. But of course, with free agency and the combine, you know, we put it on pause for a little bit, but. ESPN's Dan Graziano and Jeremy Fowler saying that the word coming out of the combine is that the Jaguars would actually like to go ahead and move forward with Gardner Minshew and trade Nick Foles. And this is something that we talked about in length just a couple weeks ago, Jay. And what do you think about this coming out? You know, do you think there's any credibility to it? Uh, I, I think we've already talked about some, some destinations that we think would be best fit for him. Um, I think a lot of it was going to depend on where all the quarterbacks fall, starting with Tom Brady and then going from there. Uh, what do you think of these reports that are coming out of the combine that the Jags are ready to go all in on Minshew for 2020? Yeah, you I mean, you absolutely have to feel that they are probably true uh, because I mean, the, the here's the thing about it. And I mean, you discussed this in one of the previous podcasts. The moment that shotgun had those meetings in terms of deciding the future with Dave Caldwell and, and Doug Marone and deciding to keep them. This is what came up. This had to have come up. What do you plan to do at the quarterback position? Right. And that being said, right then and there, you probably would think that Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell said, look, Gardner Minshew went six and said six as a starter. He was more successful than Nick Foles. He has more upside. Although Nick Foles is a guy that's a Super Bowl MVP. Uh, he, he's a veteran savvy. He's proven uh, he's met his ceiling in all likelihood. That being said, and not, not to mention John Philip was a key reason that they got Nick Foles in the first place. So with all of that being said, they probably came to the conclusion right then and there in uh, early January or late December, whenever it was that, hey, we are going to go with the young guy, the, the guy that started off on a, or, or, well, yeah, started off on a hot note and finished the season on a hot note. Although when he started, it started with two losses, albeit, but, you know, he played decently in those first two games and he ended the season well as well. So you got to think they like his upside. And, and, you know, like in a roundabout way, they've praised him in all of these press conferences we've seen since the season began or the, the off season began. So, you know, they've kind of, complimented him on the slide and, and this that and the other so from that perspective you got to feel like these reports are true and again like Nick Foles this goes back to what I was also saying in one of the other previous podcasts Nick Foles feels more like Tom Coughlin's doing than Dave Caldwell's doing uh that being said because well we've seen it in the past we've seen Tom Coughlin be reckless in free agency we've seen him ruin the salary cap before in the past that's why i say this feels more like his doing than dave caldwell's doing and dave caldwell feels more like a guy that would like to put his faith in a younger quarterback than somebody like nick Foles instead so i wouldn't doubt that they were out there taking fillers on who might want nick Foles. i'm still sticking uh sticking with the division rivals the indianapolis colts because there were uh rumblings of tom brady you know, them meeting with Tom Brady, this, that, and the other. But, you know, from the reports, it feels like Tom Brady may be considering other teams over the Colts, but that's just how it comes off. We don't know yet. That's not necessarily to say he's going to the Patriots. A lot of people feel like he's not going to be a Patriot any longer. So we'll see. But speaking of which, I, I guess we got to see where the dominoes fall with those other quarterbacks. Uh, what happens with Chicago where John D. Filippo is? Because that's a key for Nick Foles. And a lot of people or the reports are saying maybe that they're looking into getting Andy Dalton. 
So that would cancel them on the Nick Foles front. You would have to think if that happens and depending on how the other dominoes fall, that the new uh that the Indianapolis Colts, the guys who actually hosted the combine will end up being the ones that will take Nick Foles in the end. And yes, I'm still sticking to my guns. I do think a trade will happen. I do not think the Jags are going to keep him on the roster. He was complaining last year, you know, in a roundabout way. He wasn't, you know, just like griping and straight up complaining, but in a roundabout way, he he voiced his displeasure with being benched. And you would have to think that he doesn't, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't want to deal with that anymore. And you would think the Jags' mind is made up on guarding the Minshew. Yeah, in, barring some kind of injury in, like, say, preseason or training camp, if, if Nick Foles is still on the roster, there's no way that you can trot him out on a Sunday without hearing it. I was at that game where they finally put Minshew back in. And, and Jay, let me tell you, I've been to a lot of Jaguar games and a lot of losses, <laughs> and I've never heard the crowd cheer that loudly during a loss as uh, other than when they had put Gardner back into the game. So you just cannot at this point, like I think the damage has been done. Like you said, he's he Nick Foles is too graceful and, and too nice of a guy to, to come out and I think, and, and say the things that maybe he's probably thinking, you know, I think he's just, he, cause we don't have anything against him personally. It's just as a football player, we never wanted him here in the first place. You know, he'll 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 always have that magical run in Philadelphia, and he will always be a hero there. But we we spoke from day one, you, me, and Jacob, talking about how it was a mistake to go in and basically bet against themselves as far as it. Nick Foles was tied to us from the very beginning. From the moment that we knew he was going to hit free agency, he was automatically tied to us and because of Tom Coughlin. And, and now... They are in this hole where they got all this money tied up in him, and, and we've talked about it before. Also, it, it's it's possible to tr- to move this to move this contract. It is not an impossible thing. It can happen, and I, and I'm with you, Jay. I do think that it will happen. I, I just hope that it is sooner rather than later, and and it doesn't linger too long. Uh, we talked a little bit about the difficulties of trading within the division, but um, you know, you hear all these names now. I've even hold, heard Philip Rivers' name tied to. The Colts. So, do you? What do you think? I mean, if Rivers goes to Indy, then what? Yeah, that's all the more reason the Jaguars should want to send Nick Foles to Indy to keep Philip Rivers from going to Indy because Philip Rivers is a Jaguars killer. So, if I'm Dave Caldwell, I'm doing everything in my power to get Nick Foles. And you know, so you know, people have said the Jaguars will go halfway on the salary, and people have said the Jaguars aren't trying to necessarily, as as the young crowd say, bust heads for what they want for Nick Foles. It sounds like they would take as little as a seven to six round pick. You know, they just want to, you know, get him somewhere else. So, yeah, I definitely would be trying my best if I was Dave Caldwell, because think about this too, man. If, and I'm, I'm an advocate, and I've long said this, that at least last year, Phillip Rivers did not look good. But when it came to being up on the Jaguars, he did his thing and he did it with ease. Uh, you don't want that in the division. You don't want him with the Colts. You don't want him with a familiar face in Frank Wright, who's a very good coach, by the way. And not to mention, that there's something else to consider here. It's not to mention that Phillip Rivers could also land in Indianapolis. A lot of people feel good about Tom Brady's chances to end up 
with the Titans because of Mike Vrabel. So you're dealing with two veteran savvy quarterbacks that the Jaguars have struggled with traditionally, and they already struggle without those two quarterbacks in the division against those two divisional opponents. That being said, you have to think that uh, the Jaguars do not want things to get sloppy in terms of what their opponents get in terms of the quarterback position. And like I said, man, me personally, man, I'm hoping Dave Caldwell can get Nick Foles to um, to, to Indianapolis as opposed to uh, Phillip Rivers ending up there. <laughs> imagine, imagine a division in which we have to go up against Sean Watson, Phillip Rivers, and Tom Brady. <laughs> like... I don't even want to think about it, you guys. <laughs> and again, that might actually be a good thing, though, Phil. Like if you, for the people who are hoping for Justin, um, I'm, for, I'm sorry, Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin Fields. You know that that might be for the best that that happens. You know the Jaguars are looking at six wins if that happens. So, I mean, it depends on like how you're looking at it. You you may want that to happen if you think there's hope for the Jaguars to win and get out of the hole, then you don't want either one of those in the division. That's fair. Cause the Colts could go two and 14, but beat the Jags with Phillip rivers, a combined score of like 150 to 13. I don't know what it is about Phillip rivers playing the Jags, but if he could do it all the time, he would be the greatest quarterback in NFL history because I don't know what the deal is. We just cannot beat that guy. So yes, let's get Nick Foles over to Indy as soon as possible, but let's move on to some, some news coming out of the combine here, Jay. Of course, the Jags did meet with some prospects and some names that really, really excited us uh, as far as um, uh, as far as at the combine, including DJ Dallas, Cam Akers, Solomon Kindly, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Those are actually some names we've brought up in the past. So you know, we, we bring these guys in, and of course, I'm sure they met with with quite a few players. But those are some of the notable names. Um, what do you think about those guys, especially the running backs? that they were able to uh, to meet with over in Indy. Yeah, man, I actually like the, um, and me and you discussed this beforehand, kind of like via text when the news was first broken. I like these guys that they met with. And of course they met with more. It just wasn't revealed or it wasn't put out there on social media or whatever the case may be. But uh, I actually went back. As soon as uh, I wrote this article a day afterward, I went back and looked at all of these guys on film, some of which I had already seen, of course. I mean, all of which I had already seen to some degree. And uh, the guys that really stood out, I mean, of course, as a Georgia Bulldogs fan, I already knew a lot about uh, Solomon Kinley. Uh, He's a Jacksonville native, so that makes sense from that perspective. And I do believe the Jaguars could use him at guard and just get AJ Can up out of the starting lineup because, you know, if you're going to keep Leonard Fournette, we said it. you basically need the best offensive line available, which, you know, that shouldn't be a necessity for a running back. But, you know, Leonard Fournette probably needs that type of a line. He probably needs a Dallas Cowboys caliber offensive line. And I think Solomon Kinley is a late first round pick. If they can get him in the second round, that's great value. I uh, just love what he could do between in, in the run game as well as what he could do in the passing game. So that being said, I saw him plenty of times of course without really having to see him on film and go back but I went back and looked anyway Cam Akers is the guy that stood out the most to me and you know he's a guy like right off the bat you could tell he's he's gonna flourish in a zone blocking scheme but I think he can uh flourish as well in a power blocking scheme as well uh he's a guy that he uh often using the back door great at changing directions uh, a lot of people have given him grief 
online. And I think that's mostly Florida Gator fans and Miami fans. Uh, but he has that uh, that ability to change directions. He has the right amount of physicality. Uh, you can't help but like him in terms of his interview skills. A lot of people were talking about that. And he's a guy that people, when you look at what he did at the combine, he actually knocked it out of the park. And now a lot of people feel like he could go late in the first round. So again, just repeating what I said about Solomon Kinley, man, like if he's there in the second round, and I would have to think the Jaguars would have to trade up to get either one of these players. But if any of those guys are available, you can't be mad about any of those picks. Now, DJ Dallas is a guy, he's a more, a little bit more of a straight line guy. When you make him change directions, that's when he can get in trouble, basically. But he's physical. And if you can get him, he's kind of like Fournette in a lot of ways. If you could get him going straight up field, He's a monster in the short yardage game. And he's actually good and explosive when you can get him out in the open as well on screens or whatever the case may be. So I liked him. He's a guy like they projected to be roughly fifth to sixth round pick. When you talk a fifth or sixth round picks at that point, you know, you're not even disappointed at who you take at that point because it, you, you typically, I mean, you, you haven't spent a starting caliber pick on that person. And the last one, and uh, certainly not least, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or Hilaire. Uh, he's a guy we've mentioned on uh, episode three, I think it was, or it might have been episode four. Love him. Um, I see a little bit of MJD in his footwork. I see a little bit of Darren Sproles. So he's a mix between the two. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, you can't help but know because he was a part of a national champion caliber team, uh, did some good things with the LSU Tigers and Joe Burrow and company and, and Jefferson and, um, I'm forgetting all of the other guys' names because they're so stacked on both sides of the ball. Uh, but he's a guy with a third-round pick grade on him. Uh, he's a guy that the Jacksonville Jaguars would not probably have to use a first or a second-round pick on like some of these other guys I've mentioned. Or, well, Dallas case, uh, he's a fifth-rounder. But, you know, they wouldn't have to use a first or a second-round pick on this guy probably. And uh, he's a guy that would be a – I think he might be a good change of pace back to put with Leonard Fournette at least for 2020. Yeah, lots to un- unpack there. And I think it's just, like you said, some of the names that they did meet with are, are just definitely very exciting. And and Jay, you also left out Cam Akers, a career 71% passer. Do not forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, man, he's hey, he's Tom Brady out there when it comes to throwing a rock. That's correct. A, f- a career, and that's five out of seven career, his career passing. That's that's impressive. But yeah, like said, just, these are just exciting names that that they uh, that they have met with. It's um, you know we are we are off season champions. Not to brag, but this is our time of the year to shine. So just to kind of touch a little bit even more on the draft here, Jay, I want to talk about some guys that really stood out both positively and negatively. And, and while I'm doing that, I actually want to give you the opportunity. We're going to have a really special guest on here, I believe next week, to talk about the draft. Do you want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, man. Shout-outs to Jordan Reed, who's going to be on from uh, Draft Network. They do great work over there. Kyle Krabs. Um, it's it's ser- several others that's escaping my name, but I know Kyle Krabs for a fact because he's one of my comrades with the uh, USA Today Wire sites. He actually is the managing editor of the Dolphins wire. And Kyle, if you're listening, uh, we've been trying to hit you up as well and have you on the podcast too. So that being said, uh, can't wait to have Jordan on. I've had him on my independent podcast before he knows his stuff. Uh, I've actually read Jordan stuff before he was with the direct, the draft network 
back to when he was with like uh, cover one, I think it was. But can't wait to have him on. Can't wait to get his evaluation takes on some of these guys that we've discussed. Yeah, super excited to have Jordan on and talk to him about the draft and specifically what the Jaguars should do. But moving on to what I just teased here and just a little bit ago, you know, there were some standouts for the combine, some both on the positive side and the negative side from, you know, Henry Ruggs being upset about a 427 <laughs> and Okuda also having a little bit of a scare as well. You know, who who really stood out to you? I think one thing that I was really disappointed with not, and it is when Isaiah Simmons came out and ran a four three nine and not upset because he did it, but upset because I'm pretty sure he's not going to fall to nine now at this point. I mean, I, when I saw that, when I saw that number come across my phone, I was just like, Oh, dang. <laughs> I really, I re- now I hated that. Now I hated that win against Indy even more. So well, who were some standouts really quick before we get out of here for the week that you want to talk about uh, and should really get Jaguar fans excited. Yeah, man. When you look at these storylines that came out of the combine, man, that was just phenomenal for Simmons to run. And look, man, I'm while I'm doubtful that he would fall to us, I'm still not 100% sure that the teams in front of us won't screw this up like they always do. And things get chaotic. I actually talked about this on Twitter. Things get chaotic in front of us. You get crazy stuff like people uh, trading up for like Jordan Love, which I'm, I don't have nothing against Jordan Love, by the way. I'm just saying like we know how how crazy the draft gets in the first 10 picks or whatever. So, you know, you might have stuff like people trading up for Jordan Love, people trading up for other prospects. And bam, what do you know? We got another scenario where the next Jalen Ramsey or Josh Allen falls to us, if, as it always happens. Um, but I tend to more so think it'll probably be uh, Derrick Brown from Auburn, which brings me to my next topic. Uh, he's a guy that didn't really necessarily test well in some parts of the combine. A lot of people were looking at his three cone drill, which I think like they say he had like one of the top 10 worst three cone drills in uh, like the history of the combine or the history of since 2003, where they've been recording this stuff, which to me, that doesn't really bother me. I mean, I know the three cone drill is about changing directions, this, that, and the other, but on the film, he changes directions well enough for me. You know, it's not like we need him to be Maurice Jones drew out there or whatever the case for us. Uh, so like, I, I don't think like the bottom line, I don't think a lot of teams is going to really put a lot into that three-cone drill. And, and something I want to throw out there, actually, is I forgot uh, what site it was, but somebody was quick to point out that Marcus Stroud also had a terrible three-cone drill uh, number in terms of whatever it was, and look how he turned out to be. And we know that personally as Jazz fans. If you're going to make a comparison to Marcus Stroud in any way, shape, or form, we are down to take that person. So me personally, that does nothing for me in terms of damaging Derrick Brown's stock. But if the teams in front of us feel like that damages his stock and want to let him fall to us, hey, look, so be it. So be it. I'll take a 325-pound man that can eat double teams or be a three technique and just do multiple things for this defense. So that was one of the stories. Um, The um storyline of uh the young man Beckton from Louisville, at 364 pounds, he ran a 5'11". That just astonished me as well. Still don't think he'll be a Jaguar when it's all said and done. Don't know if the Jaguars have the gall to move on from Cam Robinson at left tackle. Um, then again, I'm one of those people that think it's a slither of hope that they might do so and move Cam to guard. But 
with Beckton, I think it's more so uh, he's not like he's more kind of like, I guess you could say more along the lines of a project type of a left tackle, if you will. At least I think the Jaguars might see him that way. I put it that way, as opposed to where you got a guy that you can plug and play like Andrew Thomas, who might be more likely if they're going to move Cam Robinson or if they're going to go about doing that. Uh, any way shape or form so lastly the last story i guess i want to talk about is the okuda thing which you mentioned i uh, kind of gave the nation a scare but his agent did let everybody know he was okay i think they said he hit his head but nonetheless he was okay if i'm him i shut it down for the rest of the week and uh or the up until the draft basically uh because he did himself nothing but favors at the combine although his 40 was a little awkward if you will um he has a very awkward running style, but look, man, if he shut it down today, nobody would care. He's still going in the top five, and he showed everything that we needed to see in terms of him changing directions and, you know, the the swivel on his hips, the footwork, all of that. We saw it, and that's all we needed to see. So that being said, uh, that's all the combine stories that I pretty much wanted to discuss. Yeah, Jay, and I do want to get your opinion here on this really quick because we did just talk about uh, Makai Becton and <laughs> that guy just absolutely showing out in his in his 40 and then you know uh, of course rising up the draft uh, the draft boards he's actually slotted right now eighth to the Arizona Cardinals in the most recent Bleacher Report mock draft and that's what I want to talk to you about because at nine they now have Jedrick Willis Jr. from Alabama slotted to us at the nine spot and he played in the right side in Alabama which of course in at Alabama was playing the blind side for Tua, their reasoning being so they can keep Jawan Taylor on the right and then move Jedrick Willis over to the left. Is that something that you are uh, that you are interested in or, or you are a fan of? And then also at number 20, they have us going uh, going with AJ Terrell uh, from Clemson to fill that cornerback need. So just really quick before we get out of here, I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, the latest mock draft here coming out from Bleacher Report. For me, I feel like if the Jazz go left tackle in the top 10, it has to be Andrew Thomas, in my opinion. Yeah, I know like a lot of people have been talking about there's some technical things that need to be cleaned up and this, that, and the other. But for me, the guy that I would have tabbed if I'm Dave Caldwell and Jacksonville Jaguars would probably be Andrew Thomas if I'm putting anybody at left tackle and moving Cam Robinson, who hasn't been all that good at left tackle in the guard. So I guess you could say that's not me defending Robinson, but... I guess the best way to put it is that's really the only prospect in the top 10 that I see the Jaguars uh, taking a, you know, selecting and moving Cam Robinson or selecting to play left tackle. Um, And you said the second pick, number 20, who was it that they selected again? AJ Terrell from Clemson. Yeah, that was a guy. He actually had a good combine. Um, I forget the figures he put up, but he, he did have a good combine. It was It was key for him because he struggled in the national championship game, we saw that with their receivers and whatnot. But then again, like my thing has always been like, who doesn't struggle with Clemson's receivers or, or who doesn't struggle with the LSU receivers? Like most of the country did. So you can't really hold that against him. Uh, this kind of helps his case to build his stop back up. Um, I would much rather like, I'm a Fulton guy in terms of uh, Christian Fulton in terms of the cornerback position. And that's after Okuda. So for me, it's Okuda as a favorite, then Fulton, and not so much. I'm not. I'm not really a Henderson guy. Uh, maybe Bryce Hall in the uh, the second round or something like that. 
Um, I do like uh, Troy Pride Jr. as well from Notre Dame as a second round guy. Uh, but yeah, Terrell isn't a guy that I've looked in in depthly. But yeah, I don't get top 20 pick vibes from him from what I can recall on seeing him on film when I did see Clemson this year. But he's one of those prospects that I'm going to look more into because I'm actually funny thing is I have been looking at cornerbacks like today. So I'll probably get to him eventually. But yeah, I don't I don't get top 20 vibes from him in terms of taking him in the top 20. I would much rather use that pick on. Uh, you know, that's the range where you maybe could get a receiver, maybe a Jefferson or somebody, or like I said, maybe Fulton, which even that's a little high for Fulton. Uh, Kenneth Murray, the linebacker from Oklahoma. Yeah, Oklahoma. I would take him in a heartbeat. And we all know why and how I've been an advocate of getting Miles Jack away from the middle. We must get him away from the middle at all costs. I would take Kenneth Murray there if he's there slide miles jack out the weak side or maybe even strong side but yeah i think that pick could be better used in terms of what the jazz could get there yeah i was really interested in your thoughts because that's not really a name that i've really heard too much i've heard plenty of different names at, at cornerback slotted to us but that was not one that i had seen and in this particular mock draft jay just so you know kenneth murray went at 19 right before us so maybe that could have been the pick but he was off the board for the los angeles chargers and just to kind of put things in perspective as uh, continue on with this mock draft they do have uh, tristan Wirfs going 10 to cleveland and then andrew andrew thomas to the jets so he not even the third picked lineman uh, the fourth guy uh, is Andrew Thomas. There was actually a run on linemen starting at eight with Mackay Becton, then Willis, then Wirfs, and then Andrew Thomas. So him being the fourth offensive lineman off the board, like you said, you know, I know there's some concerns about him technique wise, but I feel like he would be the the safest bet. I mean, based off of those those four guys. But I mean, listen, we're going to see a million of these things between now and April, and we're going to continue to. I talk to you guys about them. So, um, but yeah, I know you had one more thing to add on to about the, uh, about the draft process. Yeah. When you mentioned worse, uh, that reminded me, I'm, I'm kind of opening up to take it worse in the top 10. Now I know that, you know, obviously he's not going to play right tackle, which he played predominantly in, uh, at Iowa. I know he's not going to play that here with, um, Jawan Taylor here. And I'm not, the biggest advocate of him playing left tackle and moving Cam Robinson in the guard, but I I'm actually okay with putting worse at right guard, taking AJ Cam's place with that selection. Now, and I know a lot of people say, Hey, look, you don't take guards uh, that high and this, that, and the other, but look within our division and uh, what the Colts have done with, um, with Quentin Nelson, you know, and I'm not comparing the two, but, uh, Worf's athleticism is ridiculous. Just go back and look at the combine and just look at all these crazy videos of all the stuff he does, like backflips and all of this craziness at his size. Worf's is a guy I'm okay with taking there at guard. And the main reason for that is because, again, like if this team is going to like build around Leonard Fournette and want to run and ground and pound the ball, then taking a, a guard in the top 10 that's as athletic as Worf's is and, and has his draft stock soaring like Worf's is, I don't see a problem with that. I mean, I'd much rather go with, uh, you know, a skill guy or whatever the case may be, or even a left tackle before that. But I would absolutely understand taking Tristan Worf's there if the Jacksonville Jaguars did it. Listen, Jay, we've talked about this since we started. There is going to be 
a very, very good player available there at nine. And that should excite fans because in, in some cases, in some of these past drafts, when we've selected, you know, between eight and 12 or something along those lines, we've always kind of been worried about who's going to be available in terms of these top tier guys. And the thing that's great about this draft, I think there's anywhere between 10 to 12, which is a great spot for Jacksonville to be in uh, because I think there's 10 to 12 guys that can make a really, really big impact and end up being elite type guys. The, you know, you, you hopefully you get it right in picking them. And then down the line, you want to, of course, keep them, which we started the show off with. So hopefully they can figure out how to at least do that in the future. But that's it for our topics this week, you guys. Like I said, we're really excited to talk more NFL draft next week with our guest. Um, before we get out of here, Jay, um, you know, what else do you want to ta- uh, you know, plug and talk about as far as Jaguars wire content? And then, yeah, we'll wrap up for the week. Yeah, of course, we'll be on Yannick and Gakwe, uh, and Gakwe watch over the next few days or so. Um, me, Phil, and Will, and the whole crew, and checking out the latest on that front. Uh, but he has made it concrete that he doesn't want to be a Jaguar, so it's probably not too much to say unless a deal gets done by some miracle. So we'll still be on the front for that. Uh, we'll also be talking, uh, I'll wrap up my combine takeaways we're going to be looking at the guys that took the field yesterday that being sunday uh that was day four of the combine and those were the dbs uh, i'll look at three or four guys that the jaguars should have interest in uh drafting and i'll put that up on jaguars wire on today which is monday the second so i'll get that up later tonight and uh after that you know it's focusing on uh whatever meetings the jaguars have in terms of prospects uh, because we know that's coming with the combine over with and pro days is coming up, of course. Uh, hopefully we can get Tony Pauline or somebody uh, else as well, aside from Jordan Reed, you know, just to kind of talk draft all the way throughout, all the way until April when the draft actually occurs. And even afterwards, you know, we can ask people about these prospects after we've drafted them and their evaluations and whatnot on them then. So uh, we'll be doing that. And of course, there'll be free agency takes um, with, free agency coming up in what a week or so so that being said um we'll be plenty busy at the jaguars wire we'll be plenty busy here at the believe in jags podcast that's right folks well thank you so much again for all the support and for joining us on this episode again if you enjoy the show Get on to Apple Podcasts if you can and give us a five-star review. We're now up to 21, which is just awesome. Like, thank you guys so much. And, of course, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And, of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. I am at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And you can find Jay at SportsGrind underscore Don. Again, if you were looking to advertise on the show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Thank you guys so much. This has been the Believe in the Jaguars podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting site for professionals. We certainly believe. We hope that you do too. We will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.